Hey there, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Water Trio Astrology Podcast. This is the episode for the two-week period starting Monday, March 30th. So we're going to roll all the way into the first half of August, uh, April. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> I guess I'm wishing it's April and all the drama that we're dealing with now. I'm wishing it's August, it's all over. Um, we've all had a little bit of a Mercury moment as we're recording today, so that's mine. Uh, so we'll be rolling through the first half of April <laughs> with this episode today. And it is quite a full episode, so I think we're just going to dive right in and save our chitter-chattering for as we go. So Leash, you're going to set us up with a few initial thoughts about one of the planets who changes science today, Monday, March 30th, uh, if you're in uh, Canada and the States, but it'll be Tuesday, March 31st, if you're in Australia, and that is Mars moving into Aquarius. So tell us about that. Yeah, well, we've got Mars joining Saturn. So, you know, Saturn moved in. We talked about that in the last episode, and now Mars is in there and joining him, and we're going to roll into the two of them conjuncting. But just to give a bit of an idea behind this Mars, you know, I always talk about Aquarius as like the boundary rider, you know, the person who's on the edges, who's aware of the boundaries, crossing over, coming back over, but really trying to see from that that point of view what the boundary is. And this is almost like, you know, he's supercharged out there and he's got a whole heap of energy to be able to cross those boundaries with and slice away all those things that have been holding him back from this time. So where Mars in Capricorn I was really describing as a steam train, I almost feel like this is where the steam train takes off and goes into the sky and gets to fly up and see a higher point of view. You know, we're getting rid of the, the boundaries of earth and flying into the new boundaries, you know, the, the, the limitless sky that's possible with this. So all the sorts of words that are linked to Aquarius, you know, this is innovative, this is um, different, unusual, <coughs> excuse my cough, and... I also see this as very principled. So there's the uh, an ethical. So this idea of really putting energy into our ethics, into our values and into our principles. And I think it's important to remember all of that right now because of what's going on personally and collectively to be able to make the right choices going forward. And I think, you know, when it comes up and meets Saturn, so that is happening on the 30th, 31st, sorry, and the 1st, isn't it, um, that Tuesday, Mars actually Wednesday. comes and meets yeah. Saturn. Yeah. Um, we'll see something quite different. I think, Kel, you, were talk you wanted to talk to that, didn't you? Yes, I'm so happy to talk about something quite pressured. <laughs> 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 I mean, it's not that I'm happy to – happy is the wrong word. I'm – I've thought a lot about this Mars conjunct Saturn mm. aspect. It's one of the classically more difficult types of aspects that can form between two planets that have a little bit more of like a heavy or a potentially problematic combination. So I didn't want to be too doom and gloom, but I did want to let people know some of the things to expect. So this conjunction is happening at zero Aquarius. And Mars and Saturn together, there's a feeling of frustration. There can be this sense of Mars is like wanting to power forward and get things done and, and move in a fairly sort of timely, consistent way, whereas Saturn has much more of a cautious, hesitant, slow quality. And, you know, Saturn will inhibit Mars in some capacity. So that can feel like losing a little bit of your confidence or your mojo temporarily. It can feel like you're trying 
trying to do something, but you need sign off from a bureaucracy or an organization or your partner, or you need sign off from your boss and you're waiting for it and it's not coming, or you get partial sign off, but not complete sign off. So it feels like there's a lot of negotiation and there may be some delays or blocks that are temporary that do slow your pace or slow your role or slow your progress down. And I just want people to have an understanding about that. Given the light of the climate, you know, that we're all living in, where we're dealing with this this pandemic of this virus moving around the world, one of the things that I have seen in client work is a an aspect like this often represents a bottom point or like the lowest point of something. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to write a little bit about this, but as we're recording this, I haven't yet written, but there'll probably be something on my blog about this by the time this goes to air, which is... I think this is sort of that low point of, you know, dealing with the most amount of fear or the most amount of restrictions. And what's been very unique about the early part of 2020 is that normally we have Mars and Saturn together in the same sign for about six weeks, once every two years. But because Saturn is changing signs right around when Mars would typically leave Uh, the sign that Saturn was in, instead of having six weeks of Mars and Saturn together in the same sign, we're getting 12 weeks. And that's highly unusual. We've just transitioned. So we've had the last six weeks um, from mid-Feb to end of March was Mars and Saturn together in Capricorn. And now we're starting the Mars and Saturn together in Aquarius. As much as I say, I think this conjunction is the low point and that slowly day by day, week by week after the conjunction, Mars is moving away from Saturn. So action and drive and progress represented by Mars is pulling away from like fear or restriction or limitation as represented by Saturn. But they will still be in the same sign together. And one of the other things that I'm reminded of is every time we see Mars go into an air sign, we see a little bit of a peak in things like um, anxiety or stress or just sort of like an extra level of disturbance, Mars, in the mind. So that can create a little bit more stress around mental health stuff for people and for society in general. It seems to come out in the collective conversation for various reasons. So there's a few important things to be mindful of at the kind of collective general level. Personally, I think the Mars-Saturn conjunction is going to crystallize or kind of catalyze what it is about that Aquarius part of your chart or your life. Mm. You know, we talked about it's like opening the door on something and realizing what needs to be done. We're getting a clearer sense of that and maybe a better sense of a realistic timeline. So planning is everything, preparation. You can't do something quickly now. You've got to do it well and it might take a little bit longer to get it done. So I could probably go on about this for about four hours, but I want to hear what you guys want to hear say. And I know there are other things to talk about in this two-week period, but this this is a really significant astrological conjunction. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cassia, what, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I love everything that you've said about it so far, Kel. Um, mm. I guess one thing that is sort of starkly different is, you know, with Mars and Saturn in Capricorn, it's perhaps a little bit more fear-based. It's a little bit more do-based, like let's just kind of head down and just kind of, you know, survive in a way. An example of that is, uh, you know, couldn't buy buy toilet paper um, here for for the week, you know what I mean? And that kind of is spreading throughout, um, you know, different parts of of the globe. So that's that kind of fear. Let's not think about it. Let's just do what everybody else is doing and kind of, you know, 
follow that kind of structure or what have you. Now, you know, Mars moving into Aquarius, it might be like a little bit, mm, you know, in the fixed sign, mm, and on Saturn, there's this real sense of pause and mm. let's think about it. Mm. Okay, let's really think about what's going on, whether it is to do with how to, you know, maintain, you know, your health or avoid, you know, uh, situations with this virus out um, rather than kind of being fear reactor, uh, reactionary cardinal uh, where let's, let's just pause and think things through. So I think that may be a little bit of a gift. Um you know, with the Mars Saturn, obviously the slowness of it isn't going to bring anything to light really quickly. We're not going to get answers really quickly, but it's like rather than getting into this like fear-based reaction, let's stop and think and use our, this is a thinking Mars. I'm mm. just going to, before I do something, I'm going to stop and I'm going to consider all the options. And so that in of itself to me almost feels more calming it almost feels a little bit more, yeah, it could be, you can overthink things and there can be the stress and the anxiety about it. Um, but, you know, there's also the the potential there with a little bit more logical reasoning than what we've seen um, thus far, you mm. know. So that's something that I'm, you know, I guess to maybe shed a little bit of a positive on that. There is an opportunity for maybe some more information to come through, maybe not quickly, but more than what we've got at the present moment. Anyway, how about you, Lishi? Yeah, I really love what you've both said and agree with it all. And um, I think the piece that I'd add in is that this is happening on the fixed star of Altair mm. as well, which mm. is on the eagle's back. And this is really, I always think about, you know, like Switzerland during the war, this, I, this place that was neutral and high up and kind of trying to stay out of it. And this is the idea of being able to, I guess when you're riding the boundary, you can see your own territory and your neighbours. So there is this sense of having neutrality in this as much as possible. I know the anxiety you're talking about there, Kel. Mm. Um, definitely this will be heightened and it's def finding those tools that you can use to use this Mars in a healthy way so that it isn't going into the mind-spinning area. But I do think that when we can be in a neutral space and trying to see all things, it'll give us a lot more separation from the panic and the kind of what can happen, you know, it, there is a bit of herd mentality going on with all of this and it is almost like a virus in itself, the anxiety. So if we can be calm mm. and neutral, then we can separate ourselves out from that. I also think that, um, oh, I've lost my thought, with Mars in um, Aquarius meeting that Saturn there, it is just going to put some extra energy and as as you were saying, cast that extra shift into that place of like, okay, what is ready? This is the beginning of a new cycle of Mars and Saturn meeting that, you know, the last time this happened was at the beginning of Capricorn back in the beginning of April 2018. So this is that low point, that dip, that quietening. But I really do see Mars and Saturn working together as a potential strength when they work well and if we can get them to work well. So there is the potential to really harness a strength, but knowing that this is really starting from the ground up and the ability to build something strongly. And if we can say neutral for all of this, then yeah, there's the possibility of that too. So yeah, any so extra some big thoughts? Stuff. I mean, Cass, when you were talking about the thinking version of Mars here, it reminded me 
I've got a lot of Mars in air signs in my family, including my father, and he is famous. My siblings and I all tease my dad about his, where we would come to him and we're all quite, you know, enthusiastic, independently minded children or adults now, but, you know, we'd be like, dad, I'm going to do this or dad, I'm going to do that. And he'd be like, have you thought about it? Let's think about this. (laughs) Like the amount of times he would say to my brothers, let's think about this, son. Or have you thought about it? You know, and it was just this <laughs> constant thing. And he would want to be like, what about this? And what about that? Like, have you looked at your options and done your research? And so that's, there is that component to Mars, mm. you know, coming out of that fear place and into the, what does the information tell us? And do we have mm. enough information? Um, and I, I mean, one of my little sound bites for Mars in an air sign is that information leads to action. Yeah. So getting informed with quality information is what's going to help you, you know, move forward over this next six weeks. Yeah, you're thinking, you're thinking, Mars, um, it, you know, my son, his moon is at zero Aquarius. And so he, if he asks for something, you know, usually it's something sugary to eat before bed. And I'll say, you know, I'll think about it. Don't think about it, mum, because the answer will be no. And I'm like, well, when Mars is- <laughs> I'm like, well, wait till Mars and Saturn get there, mate. <laughs> wait for it. So speaking so, of thinking and ideas, I think, Cass, you're going to tell us more about uh, oh, more Lady, <laughs> Lady Aphrodite, Venus herself, and her moving to Gemini, which is coming up. Uh, when is that happening? Third of April, I think. A different, a different type of love mus- uh, lust muffin, wasn't it? So she's yeah. a thinking, <laughs> she's a thinking muffin for quite some time. This right is now. about the brain. <laughs> yeah. So we have um, uh, Venus moving into Gemini. So that happens uh, on the third in the northern hemisphere, and here uh, in the fourth in Australia. And so it's like strap yourself in, guys. Get used to this idea because we will have Venus in um, Gemini for quite some time now. So she's going to be there till the 8th of August. So this is going to be a very heightened um, area of, oh, someone's coming to visit us. So here he goes. Um, (laughs) Just don't mind Winston here. Oh, Winnie. (laughs) Beautiful boy. He cuddles. So, yeah, um, Venus in Gemini um, is going to, you know, add to that thinking, add to that air quality. And this is going to prompt us to think about our relationships, Mm. our relating style, how we're connecting with other people. Um, You know, this is, you know, the beginning of a longer cycle and we'll probably talk, we will talk about the retrograde phase in May when we get there. But for now, Venus is wanting to connect. She's wanting to perhaps, you know, you know, what's your ideas about this? And that's her way of collaborating and connecting is to share that information, to share those insights or to have those conversations. And as she moves into um, Gemini, she is going to square all of that um, Mars and Saturn stuff. And so there may be like, okay, you know, what are we going to connect with or connect around? So there may be blockages in there and, again, heightening that, you know, in some areas of the globe right now, um, we've got that, um, you know, social isolation. So, sorry, I take that back. It was the trine 
the trine from uh, Venus in Gemini to the Aquarius planets. So it's like we've got to find new ways or inventive ways to communicate. And so the fact that we have the internet, a uh, very mercurial type of uh thing for want yes, of a better word a bit of technology <laughs> yeah it can help us really kind of like um you know soften the impact for people that what they might be experiencing but venus and gemini you know in of herself she's a little flirty she's a little bit fun variety is a spice of life for her she does want to um i feel like a butterfly she's a bit butterfly like you know she'll just kind mm. of you know um you know, land on this flower and then go to the next flower and, you know, cross-pollinate all these, you know, beautiful mm. ideas and information and things like that. So I think as she kind of moves into Gemini, um, particularly this week, really notice that tone shift and change in perhaps uh, your social life or your thoughts or even your relationships, you know, maybe how can we communicate better? How can we communicate with more clarity um, with that, you know, Saturn support there? Um, and, you know, this is going to be themes that we really will be working with um, and around uh, for quite some time through until uh, early August. So it's a lot happening in the Gemini parts of our charts. What are your ladies' thoughts on Venus in Gemini? Yeah, I liked the butterfly analogy you use. I always talk about Gemini as the information pollinator because literally mm. it's, you know, taking information from one place and giving it to another. I remember once I was in Brazil at um, John of God and I just had this experience where, you know, you'd eat dinner at different places or you'd have all your meals at different, uh, sorry, we'd have our meals at the same place, but you'd sit with different people each time and get to know different people. And so who I talked to at breakfast often had a message for me to pass to somebody at lunch. And then that got developed further at dinner. And so there was this sense of this synchronicity through the collaborations of things just being passed on and thing, you know, whoever needed what they wanted were, were able to get it. And there was this openness and this sharing and this connection and it wasn't like you know I became best buddies with anybody but it was just in the openness and the mm. connection with people that that the information was able to flow and I think you know during this fortnight period Venus will enter her shadow that happens on the 10th mm. so and this is heading towards that retrograde so it is being aware as this happens this this week once you get past the 10th that this is ground that will be visited you know revisited just like through the mercury retrogrades recently but around our desires around what we love, around how we relate, around how we do beauty and pleasure. So having a look at that house in Gemini, what, you know, take it in consciously, what really needs reworking in that place? What do you need to discover more about yourself and about how you relate to others or even what you value within that that part of your chart would all be great ways to work with the, you know, the energy that's starting to come up over the next month or so. So... Yeah. What about you, Kel? Yeah. Look, I think what you're both saying is wonderful. I only have a couple of points to add because you both covered such a beautiful spectrum of this, like the whole, this is the start of the next four months, Venus in Gemini. Um, I think flexibility is key, especially around how we interact with other humans. Um, I expect we're going to see a lot of online. I think one of the big benefits of what's going to be happening is like online education, online forums, groups and discussions that we can all do from our homes. But I know Venus and Gemini want 
wants information. She still wants to interact. She wants to be informed. Um, the pollination is beautiful, like the butterfly hummingbird. So sort of keep the chains of communication open um, in whatever way you need to use technology to do that, I think. Um, and I'm really excited about Venus in Gemini. I know that we're going to have the retrograde, but I think of all the different Venus retrogrades we can have of the five different, you know, signs Venus does go retrograde in, this one still has like a bubbly social quality to it, and I'm really hoping we'll get a chance to explore the language that we use to describe our pleasures and our preferences and our partnerships because I think Venus in Gemini just has such an eloquence and such a way with words that I'm, I think we're going to see a lot about how communication can enhance connection with this. Yeah. Yeah. Which will be lovely. Uh, so lots of air activity as we've been talking about. <laughs> It just feels like everything's really drying out now. Everything's moving out of the feminine signs and into the masculine. Hooray! Yes, definitely different. Um, <laughs> and so, Leisha, I think you're going to talk to us now about Jupiter conjunct Pluto. Yes, mm, and this is one nice. of the major aspects for 2020. And... I personally am quite looking forward to what is possible with this. I know that there are people out there going, oh, this isn't going to be great, but it depends on how you look at Pluto. And I think, you know, for me, the Pluto story is that it's where we can go deep and discover what's hidden mm. and try to bring that up to the light and, you know, unlock those internal mysteries that each of us has. And I think, you know, the idea that Pluto actually has a heart, it's a frozen heart, but it <laughs> does have a heart. You know, the fact that Jupiter is going to come on and expand this, open this up, my feeling is that when we go into those deep, dark, mysterious places, we'll actually bring the gems out, you know, discover what that frozen heart is actually beating on, you know, what's the possibilities of all of this. I do know, you know, this is around cycles of growth and contraction and it's the need to kind of let go and release so that growth can happen. Some of the potentials with this about the the Pluto is that it can become a bit obsessive or compulsive. So Jupiter expands whatever it touches. So I think that there is something around this about making mountains out of molehills, you know, seeing things as way bigger than they actually are, or the opposite side of it is, is not giving things the full attention that they deserve because mm. they seem so hidden. And I think, you know, on a world stage in not just coronavirus, but politically and many other issues, there are hidden things that need to be brought up and dealt with, you know, so they mm. may seem like molehills, but they actually become mountains and then vice versa. And perhaps in avoidance, um, which can happen when we're doing Pluto work is that, well, let's just make this thing here a big drama and then I don't have to focus on that mountain. So if I just look at this small molehill over there, I don't have to worry about the mountain. So I think the beauty of this, of having the Saturn especially and Mars with this first one in the, the clarity and the possible neutrality of Aquarius is that we can use it to help balance this piece out and to try to, I don't know, come to a place of what's real and what's not. When we, when we go into those hidden places, the things that are down there can seem dark and they can seem scary. Mm. 
but it's like they could just be shadows. Um, my daughter what, loves watching these Tinkerbell movies and there's this one scene where they're in this haunted pirate ship and this little character is a firefly and it's playing with light trying to make this little tiny mirror seem big and scary to scare these things away. But when you just look at it, it's just this little tiny mirror. It's just this little tiny shape that's not really scary at all. So I don't think I explained that very well, but <laughs> that's what popped into my head. But yeah, it's just this sense of what's real, what's not, to get the clarity and to cut through and to deal with really what will bring you the most benefit, the most growth, and to not worry about what's causing yeah, the, the, the dramas. If things feel like they're, dra- they're dramatic or obsessive, then it's probably... Um, something else is hidden behind it. Anyway, I'm going to stop babbling. What about you girls? I'm sure you got lots to say. Cass? Yeah, I'm kind of excited for th- this aspect, to be honest. Uh, and it actually happens three times throughout the year. So we're getting the first one now. The next one is around June 30 and the final one's around November 13. So this is kind of like the setup conjunction uh, where we will get a little bit of insight around what this will mean collectively, individually uh, for the rest of 2020. And so, you know, one thing that I, you know, is quite a few ways that we can look at this. And I think what you said, Leisha, is perfect. You know, this can bring an amplification and at the same time, you know, either amplifying the good or, or the really not so good or even, um, you know, totally kind of like, you know, going into the denial uh, aspect as well. But I think amongst it all, there is some kind of, you know, as you mentioned, that hidden gem or that hidden opportunity that can come from it. Um, there might be like a wealth of resources, either literal um, or, um, you know, energetic that you can perhaps tap into um, at this time. It might be, um, you know, uh, it was funny, like uh, I think today we were talking about just before um, the Australian government has at least, you know, gone, you know, uh, a press release about how they're offering a stimulus package Um and to sort of stimulate the economy while the coronavirus is, you know, because we're going into our winter now, so in major preparation mode. But it's almost kind of like this happening in Capricorn. It's almost like gifts from the government in a kind of crisis. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's kind of, you know, I think they said that they're going to have all pro, pro um, payments processed by mid-April. So just as this, you know, not shortly after this uh this happens. So we're starting to see some, um, you know, gifts of wealth, sort of like generosity, you know, from the government coffers that would normally be hidden and, and you know, normally it's, uh, you know, not like that. So, you know, that can be a beautiful gift for someone who really needs that. Um, and it can also be, you know, from an, another perspective where we may get these like pearls of wisdom that we get through facing things that we we don't always face in just that regular everyday life. So it can drudge up some stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I think it's um, th- there's a gift in it all with the Jupiter piece. So it's something, you know, buried or hidden that, you know, you might have to go through a you know, a dark tunnel to get there, but it will be worth it perhaps in the end. So like that process of therapy, for instance, where you sort of pull yourself apart in order to kind of put yourself back together, but in a bigger and better way. Kel, any um, any ideas for you? Yeah, I guess one of the things, uh, again, you, you know, only just to add a, a couple of extras because you both did such a, like, I'm so inspired by what you both shared. 
Um, one thing that I was reminded of is, you know, Jupiter transits, people always think Jupiter stuff is like bigger and therefore it's going to be better or good. But I find with Jupiter, Jupiter as a pure energy is more neutral. It expands and exaggerates and amplifies. So with Jupiter and Pluto together, it's almost like it makes the elephant in the room so big that you can't keep ignoring it. And so Jupiter-Pluto is sort of calling your attention to something that might normally be hidden or secret or happen behind closed doors. And all of a sudden it becomes made more visible. We're more aware of it and we have to attend to it. We can't ignore it because it's right there staring us in the face. And whether there'll be some collective developments, because I think, as you mentioned, Cass, that was a beautiful point about like gifts from the government. You know, Capricorn is a sign of those structured entities, whether it's big business or established government even the legal system. Um, so I think there's there's that side of it, the collective. And then I think individually, if you think about where Capricorn is in your chart, this Jupiter-Pluto um, aspect is now happening without the presence of Saturn there. And it can allow you to focus more fully on something uh, that has maybe been really hard to look at um, in the last couple of years. And now it's like, I'm willing to do the, to have the honest conversation to reveal something that I would normally keep private, or maybe you're starting to see the real kernel of that like buried pot of gold. Um, so there does feel like there's this sort of intensity or obsessive quality with Jupiter Pluto. And I think if you're prepared to go into the shadow zone, like leash that story about, you know, the Tinkerbell movie, it's like, you know, when you're walking around at night, is it just a shadow or is it something you're going to bump into and you're just not always aware? And so I think exploring and trying to bring some light into the shadows is part of this. And it's, it is the first stage in a three-act process that is going to play out all year. I also wanted to remind our listeners, you know, we did that big episode on Harry and Meghan's um, relationship and this aspect, Jupiter-Pluto, is one of the big aspects influencing Meghan's descendant mm. or relationship point in 2020. So she's a great example of the Jupiter-Pluto piece. Um, it's affecting relationships for her. So she's trying to talk about the elephant in the room in regards to her relationship. She's being very intense or very focused or very strong about it and she's trying to change something that's very entrenched and that's sort of inspiration for all of us that Jupiter Pluto is trying to call your attention to to inspire you to tell the truth about something that maybe has been going on for a while that doesn't sit well with you that you want to work towards changing the structure or the format of so there's a lot in there and it's one of those aspects where it's like you don't have to fix it all this week but start being more honest about something that's been kept a little bit maybe hidden if you like yeah. It's and it just makes me think too, this is the only time that Jupiter will conjunct Pluto in this cycle of Pluto through Capricorn because they conjuncted right at the end of Sagittarius, didn't they? Or have I Yeah, I don't just... think they were conjunct by degree in two thousand and eight. I think there was a there were periods of time in two thousand and eight where Jupiter and Pluto were in um Capricorn together, but I don't think that they conjunct by degree. So it's almost like, you know, we, we're getting the gifts at the end of this Pluto cycle, you know, the, the benefits or, or the expansion, like you were talking about, Kel, that, that can be drudged up from this Pluto place. So I feel like it's, it's a good thing in a way because we've, we've gotten, we've learned, we've, you know, we've dealt with so much. Um, and even thinking back to what happened when Pluto first went in in 2008 in the GFC, it's like we've learned a lot from that process now. And 
maybe there are structures in place that that Jupiter can help us grow or flourish within. So, yeah, that was just something that struck me about that part of it too. Totally, totally. Yeah. So there's some big stuff happening at the moment. Um, yeah. But there's one more thing I think we wanted to share with our, with all of you lovely listeners this week, and that is the full moon in Libra. Um, I have one thing to yeah. say on this and then um, throw it over you to go, you, Leish. Yeah. You start. The only thing I want to say is, like, this is the pre-Easter full moon. I don't know if people know mm. how the date for Christian Easter is calculated, but it basically involves looking for that March equinox, so March 20th, 21st, when the sun moves into Aries, waiting for the next full moon, and then the Sunday after that is Easter Sunday in the Christian um, calendar. And so I just think that's really fun and fabulous, and it's been a use of astrology going back for, you know, a really, really, really long time. So I'm just very proud of astrology for being involved in that. And um, <laughs> on a more practical note, Leash, what would you like to tell us about the full moon in Libra? Well, you know what? Why don't we throw over to Cass? Because Cass is all over the pagan rituals and all that awesome stuff. Oh. So do you want to keep talking from there, Cass? Yeah. And you have your arm moon in Libra. <laughs> I'm going to try because I've been talking all day and my throat is uh, beginning to fail me. But uh, the Libra moon, um, yeah, like this is, you know, one of the – I guess, peak full moons of the year, you know, I can't look at a full moon in Libra and not think relationships. And, right. of course, you know, Venus has just moved into Gemini. So we've got this kind of like grand air trine formation happening here with the lunation in Libra. Uh, and then we've got uh, Saturn and, and Mars now in Aquarius. And then, of course, uh, Venus now in Gemini. So, you know, there is a real heightened sense of communication, at least with this uh, uh, this lunation, getting our ideas across. So it might be okay, uh, you know, how do we want to do this relationship? So this is a really good uh, lunation to spotlight a part of, uh, you know, whether it's a personal relationship, a professional relationship, um, or even maybe a relationship with yourself and start thinking about like, how do I want this to work? And how do I want this? How do maybe I want to make it better? How do I want to make it sweeter? Maybe I need to bring more balance into something. Maybe there's some areas where I need to say no a little bit more. And then there's other areas where I need to say yes, um, that little bit more. And so with Ven the rule of Venus now in Gemini, it's like, hey, let's talk about these things. And sometimes despite, um, Libra being an air sign, clear communication is not always her strong suit, as we were talking about. Oh, that's Cassandra's way of saying no, because I'm kind of trying to say <laughs> say, say no in a, like, a, you know, I don't believe that no is a complete sentence. Yes, that is not so, a cast phrase. Um, not a like, Libra phrase. I'm just not available for that. Um, so, you know, this is this is the stuff that we're going to be kind of like, um, you know, peaking. So I think like observe this full moon, observe the relationship qualities that come up into, you know, into your sphere under this lunation. And that could be the territory that may need some rework or some uh, renewal or reassessment of as Venus continues through her journey in Gemini. So, beautiful, Cass. Leashy. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Always so I do beautifully my, done I do with my Libra moon best. in Libra. <laughs> <laughs> and see, that's why Moon in Libra is one of my favourite placements. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it is, it's, 
it, when we think about you know, this as part of that cycle from the new moon in Aries that we were getting so enthusiastic about in the last episode, this is where we get to think about what we've put into action and work out, you know, how will it look when we look at all the different variables, all the different points of view on the table. And it may mean there's things we have to drop, but it is trying to find that that balance point. And, you know, if you want to tear off on an adventure, but your husband has to be left at home with the kids, you know, is that going to work out with everybody? Um, and one of the things I do always think about with full moons is they're hungry. It's something to let go of into, something to release into. So Cass, you were talking about the qualities and I'm thinking, what qualities do you have in your relationship that you don't want to have anymore? What do you want to let go of? What do you want to aim towards? And in in doing that process and being in that process, then let go of things like jealousy, like anger, like resentment work out what's creating those, where's the friction potentially coming from that is creating those and how can you release that up and let go of that. So yeah, there's definitely the idea of, I think in any relationship, if communication doesn't exist, then the relationship can't work. Like I remember when my husband and I first got together and English is his third language and he couldn't text because he wasn't great at spelling English at that stage. And we'd talk on the phone, but his accent was so thick, I could never really understand what he was saying. So it was when we were together that the connection really happened. And it was it was the communication on all levels. It was our body, body language as well as our word language, you know, that that spoke to each other. Um and so that was that kind of key importance. And that's something I think, you know, every couple needs to work on. Mm. It's the idea of belonging and connection is inherent in the human. So how can you make it better? How can you make the flow happen with more ease? Um, through sharing, through talking, yeah. through communicating. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's that collaborative yeah. quality. So while the words weren't there, that, you know, that understanding, that Venus softness of like receptivity and understanding was definitely yeah. there for you both. Yeah. Yeah. Which totally. is beautiful. I, that yeah. communication theme really stands out for me around this full moon in Libra. Yeah. It's, I think, I don't know if we said it's full moon at 18 degrees Libra around the 8th of April. Um, is it the 9th of April in Australia? I wasn't, I, I didn't check that part. It's not, it's 8th. No, it's 8th. 8th everywhere. Okay. It, um, around 18 Libra. So we're going to have the full moon in Libra, Venus, Mars, and Saturn all in air signs. So it is sort of this sense of like the quality of the tone astrologically has changed and putting things into words becomes so important. And whether you, you know, I was thinking before when you were talking, Cass, about like the moon in Libra bitchcrafting that you're so good at doing, you know, getting <laughs> your point everybody. across in a really pleasant way or a really diplomatic mm. way. But the expression and the verbalization, I think, is is the real clear key thing here. Yeah. So, yeah. Big full moon to look forward to. Yeah. Yeah. I do love the Libra full moon. What do you like about it, Cass? What's your favourite bit on that? Um, I don't know. I think it's like one of the real representations visually of um, connectedness mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I guess, you know, the, the relationship, you know, um, that uh, the sun is opposite the moon 
um, which is very symbolic of relationships anyway. So I think she just really heightens that, you know, that collaborative quality, that relationship quality. Um, I don't know. I, I really do enjoy it. I think I enjoy all the full moons, but I really do like the uh, the Libra one. The mm. Libra one. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Nice. Because it just lights up my own moon a little bit too, but it definitely does have that, you know, like, you know, reaching out and connecting and, and collaborating with others, you know, whoever that may be. Yeah, I do. Actually, I'm thinking about now one of my favourite full moons every year is the full moon in Gemini, but it's mm. another air sign and for a similar reason because I always see it as a chance to, like, gather together with people and have conversations. Yeah. So mm. I guess the full moon in Libra is, like, gathering maybe with a slightly smaller group or a group of, you know, a close friend yeah. or a romantic yeah. partner or your mm. immediate family and just having some of those, yeah. um, you know, back and forward, the negotiation or the exploring, mm. all the sides of a different topic, Uh and the full moon, yeah. you know, it is a in Libra, it is a sign about justice and equality. So there is this sense of how can we equalize or how can we balance things out. So I wonder if we see a little bit of that collectively. Uh, yeah, but the it fairness. is, yeah, it is going to lead into the holiday weekend afterwards. So that's something just to keep in mind as well. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I always see the glyph of Libra like a bridge mm. as well. So it's it's that, again, you know, how can we build connection by building a bridge? Because sometimes, what, what was it? It's a saying when we were young, you know, build a bridge and get over build it. Build a bridge and get know? over it, yes. <laughs> Vintage. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's not totes or a maze. It's build a yes. bridge, get over build it, a bridge, build a bridge. Get over it. <laughs> Um, but it's got that sense of, you know, with this full moon, it, it is the ability to build a bridge and get over the top of something, you know, whatever's been dividing you or separating you. What bridge can you build to bring that connection back in as well? Yeah, like how can you bridge that gap or find a midpoint or a place of compromise to like mm. either agree to disagree on some things but agree to meet in the yep. middle on other things? Yeah, or, or a point of forgiveness too. Yeah. You know, it might just be building a, on top of something you know nothing will ever change it. It's happened in the past, but you still want that connection to happen. So it's like I'm going to go over and above this to meet yeah. you and, and leave that's the past in the past. Isn't it? Like we just, gotcha. you know, like we're never going to agree <laughs> on this. Compromise central. But we'll, we can go forward regardless. Um, yeah. And, um, like, oh my lord, so many things. Um, okay, so on that Libra full moon note, is that the that that's all the astro piece for today? We we covered all of our. I think bits. so. I, I think we did all the things again. Yeah. Um, so, what do you gals April. have coming up? Yeah, first two weeks of April. What's the geo? How about you, Leash? Um, so I have got a webinar coming up. I'm still pulling the pieces together for that, but that will be happening on the 8th of April. Um, but I talking about relationships, I have just finished a webinar and it's for sale on my website about building better relationships. It's some, it's about astrology, but it also brings in psychology and spiritual principles as well on how to work and collaborate and connect with partners in a better way and find your own relationship style. So you can honor that and help others with their relationship style, like honor others as well. So yeah, pop along to my website and have a look at that. And, um, by the time this rolls around I will be announcing my next one how about you Cass um I'll be teaching module two this uh, level two of my contemporary astrology program um I'm still kind of 
uh, working around the dates with that because it will be school holidays. So it'll probably be in the second half of April. So yeah, I'm still kind of uh, managing my logistics now having a child of school age. So it'll probably be in the second half of the month that that, uh, that will be available. How about yep. you, Kelly? It's like you just get your routines in place and then they throw school holidays at you. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. They're always Mad, on holidays sorry, in Australia. Madness. <laughs> uh, I've got my four-week Planets class starting Monday, April 13. So that's a four-part training. It's an introduction to the planet. So it is a continuation of what I've been teaching with my beginner students. Uh, so four weeks, everything you need to know about those really juicy planets, you know, where all the action and activity comes from in the birth chart. So that'll start Monday, April 13, and run for four weeks. It includes live classes, supplementary reading, as well as homework, exercise, and discussion forum. So lots of options if you can't make the live classes as well. And I think because this will go out at the very end of March, I'll just give a final shout out to my webinar with Astrology University on the 8th and 12th houses, which is happening Saturday, April 4th, if anybody still wants to sign up by that. All the details about both will be on my website, kellysastrology.com. Did you guys say your websites? Did you? AliciaYusuf.com. Cass. And CassandraTindall.com. Yay. We all keep it very simple, don't we? Just very, very simple. Very simple. <laughs> Make um, it easy for everyone. Totally. So that's it for this week. Happy full moon in Libra, everyone. Yeah. And see y'all it's a nice next time. time. You will. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, girls. Bye for now. Bye.